Welcome to the Manufacturing Employer Podcast, where we talk workplace culture and all things related to the strategies that drive exceptional environments for employees. You'll hear conversations with those in the manufacturing space tasked with making their workplace better. Employee engagement, benefits, onboarding, hiring, we'll be discussing the working experience from top to bottom. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Manufacturing Employer. I'm your host, John Franco, co-founder of Gorilla76. We are the industrial marketing agency. We help manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. On today's show, we have someone that has taken over, and I mean taken over, the HR duties at Gorilla, and is a huge part of the success we've seen in the past few years, especially as it ties to that employee experience. Since joining Gorilla, this person has driven employee net promoter score up 34 points to an 89. If you're unfamiliar with a net promoter score, look it up. That number, I, I'll go ahead and pat ourselves on the back, is, is absolutely remarkable. We've seen already high employee engagement metrics grow another 6%. We've been named a finalist as a best place to work, and we were named the best place to work for young professionals in St. Louis. So with no further ado, I want to introduce Elise Gutman, our employee success executive. She helps out with office needs, human resources, and all else we need to build the best employee experience possible. She leaves the office and team better than she found them each and every day. Before joining Gorilla, Elise spent nearly a decade as a professional concert dancer, dance teacher, and Trader Joe's crew member. Elise, welcome to the show. Yay, thank you. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Yeah, it is going to be fun. To just kind of kick it off, tell me about your journey to date. How did you get to this podcast? Obviously, you work at Gorilla and you're doing a, a great job, but like concert dancer, podcast talking about employee experience and retention and all these things, how, how did that happen? That's such a great question. And it's hard for me to know where to start because I feel like all paths led me to here, so to speak. As you said, you know, I have a background in concert dance. I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts and Modern Dance Performance from the University of Oklahoma. I moved to St. Louis to take a job with a dance company. Yeah, I did that for a long time. I did the many hats that an artist has to wear to make your life happen and pay the bills. So that's where Trader Joe's came in and where my teaching career came in. And then the pandemic happened. And I had recently left the dance company. I was at Trader Joe's basically full-time and like the rest of the world wondering what the heck was going to happen in the next few months and years. So that was early 2020. Uh, about partway through 2021, I applied for a job and well, I was applying for a lot of jobs. I was trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do next. I knew I didn't want to stay at Trader Joe's forever. I know a lot of people who have made careers there and they really love it. I was ready to pivot and do something else. And I didn't totally know what that would be. So I, I explored project management. I explored like executive assistant and administrative assistant jobs. I knew that my soft skills would be what would get my foot in the door because on paper, I look pretty unconventional. You know, what the heck we like is... Un we like unconventional at Gorilla. Yes. Yes. Which has been much to my fortune. So yeah, I applied for a job at Gorilla and you called me and I don't know, kind of the rest is history. There's a lot more to that story, but I feel like I should go quite off on that tangent. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And I'm sure we'll get into a lot more of it later. But as you talk about all these different work experiences, 
dancing, Trader Joe's, being kind of in leadership positions in different places, whatever they were. At least from what I can tell, when I go in Trader Joe's, I feel like the culture is amazing. I feel like the people are treated well. I feel like it's a blue collar space in a way, not all that different from a lot of the manufacturing clients that that we serve and, and that are listening. And again, just like I was talking about employees that aren't conventional, so to speak, I think the best lessons sometimes from business can come from different places. But when you look at kind of the the breadth of your career experience, what characteristics do the good cultures share, the bad ones? What have you noticed? I love that question because it's it's important and it's also difficult to answer. I was thinking about it before we actually hopped on and I was thinking about the good cultures that I've been part of and when I've been helping support a shift in culture, I feel like I'm always trying to make a place more supportive, filled with integrity. Doing the right thing is really important to me. Following through is really important to me. I value places where not just like what's the trajectory and that's valued, but what are the individual players bringing and how are they valued? And I say integrity, and then coincidentally, integrity is Trader Joe's number one core value, which I just think is like, like I remember that as I was writing it down, which was funny. And then, yeah, I mean, supportive. I would argue that joy should be a part of a good culture. Gratitude for sure. And this doesn't happen so much in spaces that I'm in now, but when I was dancing, a good culture was happening if people were getting paid, which I feel like in corporate spaces, we don't talk a lot about. Yeah. You don't have to answer this. And and if you do, I certainly don't expect you to point any fingers, but sure. have you been anywhere where there's been a bad culture? Oh, for sure. What did that look like? What was it? Like, was it just so work-driven? So I don't know, like describe it a bit maybe. Yeah. So one of the interesting things for me was the dance company I was part of, I danced with for a long time. I joined the company in 2012 and I left in early 2020. So you know, I had seen changes in leadership. I had seen a lot of turnover with artists and things like that. And over time, things were starting to shift from the inside out. And I was trying so hard to hold on to what had been good about what was going on and to perpetuate that. I also, through my career there, I was a dancer, but then I became a rehearsal director for the second company. So I really was helping shape theoretically, what the next generation of that group would look like. Part of what was happening that I was trying to avoid, you know, I feel like people use the term like toxic culture really flippantly, but also as like a blanketed term. For me, that toxicity was around like lack of accountability, lack of transparency, people not taking responsibility for things that were in fact their job. You know, we talk about like the buck stops here, the buck kept getting passed. And that's just, it's hard. It's hard to figure out where you are in that space. It's hard to find security. It's hard to find stability. It's hard to be excited about coming to work. And with that group and with Trader Joe's, you know, I was working a really physically demanding job. Yeah. Yeah. You were boots on the ground. I mean, during a pandemic, I, in fact, I think maybe that's, that's when I, well, I, I don't think I know that's when I brought you your offer letter, but I mean, I saw it firsthand, like that experience it's had to come into play in kind of in terms of the leader who you are today, I would oh, assume. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that experience has changed not everything about me, but you know, 2020 to 2021 was really hard. I struggled a lot in my personal life. I struggled at work, but yeah, I mean, I learned a ton from that experience. Let's see. I wrote down some things um, that I thought of at that time. My boss at Trader Joe's at the very beginning said, assume goodwill. And 
you know, that's really powerful, right? It like is. It's every, hard though, right? It, yes, it's it's it hard to be. give your trust and just trust that other people have good intentions. Right. And that they're not in fact out to get you, even though it can absolutely feel that way. So assuming goodwill, I mean, I remember standing in a huddle at like 7.55 in the morning before the doors opened at eight and people are lined up outside and there was so much anxiety and so much pressure and assuming goodwill and remembering to be empathetic and compassionate to everybody else's experiences and my own was really valuable and so hard, <laughs> next level hard. But I think it has served me really well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as someone that is observing your growth here at Gorilla, mm. when you started June 7th, 2021, the growth has been significant. And, you know, when you first started, Yes, there were HR duties tied to it, but a lot of what you were coming on to do was general administrative stuff around the office. And I'm sure, sadly, there's a lot of HR leaders out there that that's still kind of how they're pigeonholed in their role. I mean, I I don't want to call them an admin, but I feel like a lot of times until you truly understand the importance of people mm -hmm. and why they are a resource that deserves to have a lot of attention paid to them. I think some of those duties are given. And, and admittedly, you're still helping with those. We're a 23-person company, soon to be 25. But then you started getting more and more involved in, okay, I want to, hey, John, I want to learn more about HR. I want to get the SHRM certification. Like I'm wanting to grow here. Where have you found the most valuable learnings? Where do you think if there's someone out there listening that's looking for resources, looking for ways to learn and grow themselves. Where have you found that as someone who basically started from scratch? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think staying curious about anything and everything. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso all day. Yeah. Be curious. That's why I grew the mustache, right? It's gosh, it's just, it's so true. And then I was, I was reading something recently that I think it was something about like curiosity and anxiety can't coexist. Which I really appreciate, you know, because sometimes our anxious brains and our anxious thoughts can really take over. And I need to write that one down myself. Man, it's a good one. But you know, if I'm curious, then my anxiety is being channeled. I'm I'm harnessing it in a way that could actually be helpful and productive rather than just thinking of every possible worst case scenario. <laughs> so I think being curious is probably the most important thing or has been for me. And honestly, like toot your own horn, John Franco. I mean, I've learned a tremendous amount of things from you asking mm, questions. Of what not to do? <laughs> no, no, but you know, asking questions, getting advice. Sometimes I admittedly need to write the same email several times because I want to make sure that I'm getting not just the language right, but the level of like assertiveness and directness that I need to have with people. Oh, and getting involved with local SHRM chapters has been helpful for me too. I mean, SHRM on a national level is great, but the local chapter in St. Louis puts on some really great programming and it's connected me with people who I run into at every event. It's interesting to hear what they're struggling with versus what we struggle with. And yeah, it's it's put me in some really cool like volunteer situations where I can practice things like my interviewing skills. I can encourage young people in our area to go into an interview and not be afraid to be themselves because that's really all anybody wants to learn whenever they're interviewing you. Absolutely. On this journey you've been on to the HR office title mm -hmm. role, however you want to talk about it, what are you personally most proud of to date? Mm. 
so, you know, we were prepping for this last week and I was thinking about it. And then even today when I'm thinking about it, it's hard for me to specifically find like one thing. So the cop-out answer is I'm proud of all of it. Like I'm proud of the whole journey. I'm proud of the pivot. I'm proud of my lack of kind of clarity, but still going for something that I was pretty sure I wanted to do. But I think if I'm going to be more specific, I'm really proud of my growth and my tenacity. I feel like I've said this a million times, but thank God Gorilla wanted to roll the dice on an unconventional candidate because it's really just transformed every element of my life, which is cool and wild. On a previous episode, and I'm sure I'm going to butcher the exact quote, but I think it's so, so true. You hire for will and train for skill. Mm, I like that. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's what we saw in you. It's like, we can teach. We always talk about it, Gorilla. There's there's nothing we're doing that's rocket science. Right, right. Yes, there are. there's a lot of training and the roles are all very difficult. Mm-hmm. There are certain roles where you do have to have a technical expertise, whether that's writing code, doing design work. Right. Obviously, our writers have a a mastery of the English language that the average person doesn't have. But for most of our roles, we can train a skill. But it's that will. It's those things that those intangibles that I think a lot of times you see in the non-traditional candidates. I mean, if you can run a dance company, if we have a project manager that could basically run a small orchestra if he needed to. He can probably figure out how to run projects. So anyway, I I just think that's always important to point out with non-traditional candidates. I I was listening to a book that we are reading as you and I and another employee, The Necessary Journey. I I believe it's called. It's sitting here. Yep. But that was a big theme as well. And if we're all going to do our part with diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility, we're going to have to look in different places. We're going to have to not only accept people from a four-year school with a degree that matches perfectly. We're going to have to look at junior colleges. We're going to have to look at someone who maybe didn't graduate, but can do the job. And I think that's especially true in the manufacturing space where most of these jobs can be taught. They're really good jobs. And with the proper training, with the proper time in a trade school or or whatever is needed for the different role, those skills can be taught. It's that will that you got to find. Anyway, sorry, you're the guest and I'm here (laughs) just rambling on. How do you balance being HR and a coworker slash friend? At Gorilla, there's no secret. Our, Our people are close. Yes. And I think that's something in the HR role. That's where I struggled massively in the role because I had to be the boss. And then I also had to have disciplinary conversations and whatever. So I, I was happy to take that off my plate. But, <laughs> but you you know, like finding that balance between good cop and bad cop, you do it really well. I struggled with it. What's your secret? How do you approach it? Or maybe it's not a secret, but just how, how do you approach it? Is it just transparency and just honesty? Yeah, good question. Well, first of all, thank you. I hope I'm good at it. I try to be. I think my first kind of foray into that was when I was dancing and I took over rehearsal directing for the second company. In some spaces, I was the only leader in the room. And in other spaces, I was not, but I still had to maintain that level of leadership and professionalism because I still had the people that reported to me, for lack of a better term, in the room, even though I was not at the top of the food chain in that scenario. 
So I think when that happened, I don't even remember if it was conscious or not, but I knew I was going to have to shift how I interacted with my peers and my coworkers. Yeah. And I I think discretion has been helpful for me. And honestly, like the kindness, compassion, empathy element is important to me too, because I'm not looking to hurt anyone, right? Like I'm not looking to try to find ways to hold people to account unless that's what's being asked of me. I was talking with a coworker yesterday, actually, and she was going on and on about something. And she said, I don't mean to complain. And I could tell that, that they were trying to put that buffer in there. And I said, look, yes, my job is to serve the company. And my job is to help take care of the employees at Gorilla. That's a, that's a tremendous amount of my job. And if every time someone said something to me that was remotely negative, if I then came to you and said, John, listen to this, you know, like that, that's not helpful. That doesn't serve me. It doesn't serve the employees. It doesn't serve the company. But if instead I take the approach of, okay, this person just needs to vent a little bit. I can listen and take that in and hear what they're saying. And then I can move on. I love that you just, you did the perfect segue and that you (laughs) did your and. Yes. (laughs) I've made a statement before that HR is improv which sounds scary because it seems like, well, HR shouldn't be improv. HR should be, we know exactly what to do in every situation, but we don't. God, in the two <laughs> years that you've been here, I mean, we've encountered some situations where like, well, haven't, haven't, haven't dealt with this one before, but let's figure it out. And so I know you are an improv enthusiast. <laughs> I have been and watched you perform. You're super talented, but do you agree with that statement? You can disagree. But at at a minimum, I guess, how has improv affected you as a leader and as a businesswoman? Yeah. What's interesting to me about improv, probably similar to HR, is that there's this idea that it's, you know, this big mysterious thing and people just go in and, and say whatever they want when there are tenants and guardrails to improv. Yes. And being one of my favorites, you know, this aggressive agreement of what's going on. Because two things can be true. Isn't that kind of the idea behind it? Yes, which coincidentally had already become a little bit of a theme in my life through the pandemic even. Two things can be true at once. One thing doesn't have to negate the other. They can coexist. You can be stressed out, but also have to get your work done, right? Or like that happens all the time in a work setting. Yes, I can be, I mean, I think about this at TJ's during the pandemic. I was so grateful to be healthy and have a job. And I was the most unpleasant internally that I had ever been. I mean, like I was so sad all the time (laughs) and I was experiencing so much grief and I was grateful. So yeah, if nothing else, that's it. Like two things can be true at once. And I think for me personally, like improv and admittedly combined with some therapy, my confidence is higher. I'm much more comfortable just saying the thing and getting to the point. I feel like I'm always trying to get better at that. And with improv, there's just not time to dance around. You have to get to it so that the other person can participate or the other people can participate. I love it. In your mind, as we kind of, I can't believe I'm saying this, but as we kind of think about the second half of the year, we're, I guess we're getting into quarter two, quarter two goes fast and you're in summer. Next thing, next thing you know, it's Christmas so already. <laughs> right. What trends in your mind should HR leaders be looking and considering for the second half of this year and and into 2024, are, are there things you're hearing about that mm. that maybe are issues that 
we've ignored for a long time and 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 we need to start addressing them or is it just a continual revisit of the fundamentals anything yeah. you're you're noticing i think accessibility to remote work is always going to need to be part of the conversation i think if work can be done remotely it should be a, an option now part of it's just my personal opinion right but if we are going to create environments that are representative of our communities, if we want to make work accessible to people, if we want to create more inclusive and equitable environments, like to me, that should include options for remote work. And I think the real meat of it for me is pretty classic. Like just take care of your people, do everything you can to take care of your people. I think we've seen that here. We're flexible with people when they need it. People feel like they can take care of their lives and and be present with their families. And in turn, they want to keep working here and doing great work and being experts at their jobs. To me, that's the biggest thing. And you know, I'm very passionate about remote work. I think we've only seen the numbers get better Agreed. as we've gone that direction. That said, it is 100% not for everyone, especially 90% of the people that are listening to that. Absolutely. Or listening to this podcast, right? Right. And so I think... The biggest takeaway from what you just said, in my mind at least, and and what totally registers with me is this idea of like, take care of your people. That's the one sentence. That's the one thing that you just always, that needs to be your North Star. And that starts with communication. Mm -hmm. It starts with listening, something I have, it has taken me a very long time to learn and I have still yet to master it, but I'm working on it. But when you listen, it's amazing what can change. And it's amazing seeing not only does that change happen, but then those people see that you're listening and they're like, oh, wow, I have a voice here. I had an opinion on, it could be as simple as what kind of sodas we're putting in the, the soda machine in the break room. Right. And if somebody listens, that goes a really long way. Absolutely. So I mentioned earlier Maybe I want to brag a little and I want to bring it up again. I don't know. <laughs> Do it. But Do it. <laughs> it's a really big deal. And I'm really, really proud of it. And I feel comfortable saying that because I feel like I had 10% to do with it. And you and the rest of the team had 90% to do with it. Now, I, I will say I hired all you guys. So I, I, I will take pride in <laughs> toot, that. Toot. But we've been named the best place to work the best place, not a best place, the best place to work for young professionals in St. Louis. So cool. When I ran the HR department, that was not happening. It just wasn't (laughs) happening. You got involved and it did. I will not take anything personally here. This is your chance (laughs) and the whole world can hear it. I will not take anything personally, but what has changed in your mind? So you know, we were talking last week about this and I was like, oh man, this is, this could be such a spicy question. I get to throw my boss under the bus. Or not. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I kind of want to get thrown under the bus. No, 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 no. But I really was, I was thinking about it because I, you know, we had the, we had our prep call and then I was thinking about it later that week. And then for those who don't follow Gorilla on Instagram, my birthday was yesterday and you made this really wonderful post with all these data points about what we learned from Office 5 and the scores and all of these things. And you said in that post exactly what I identified myself. It's not about something that you were or were not doing. I think it's that there is a person who is not an owner of the business who's like their entire role is dedicated to the people of the company. My interests don't have to be split. You have to figure out how to toe that line. 
Well, I, I, but I think there's a lot that leaders of companies, which I mean, you're a leader, but I guess I should say owners, founders, presidents, CEOs, whatever. Yeah. There's a lot that we can learn from that HR role. That question we had earlier is how do you be a good cop and a bad cop? How do you be a mm-hmm. friend and a boss? That I, I've mm-hmm. always struggled with that. It's so hard for me. I'm not afraid to have tough conversations, but they're still really awkward to me at times. And I, I think that's where we can learn from our HR leaders in the world as, as leaders ourselves or as founders of companies, et cetera, how to toe that line. But I, I totally agree. Like having that dedicated person that someone can go to vent about something being broken and not being feared that they're going to get fired, which we wouldn't fire anyone anyway if they vent. Right. But like I would get it if I was in a if I were in a position like that, I'd be like, well, I don't know if I should tell my boss that this client is driving me nuts or this coworker is like really on my last nerve right now. Like those are tough things to talk about. Yes. It's interesting that you say all of that. My husband works in business intelligence for a large company. And he said something similar to me the other day that he can say something flippant to someone that reports to him, but how they receive that is that that's a directive to them. Mm. So it's different. It's, it's being aware, I think of subconscious dynamics that come into play, you know, and then we talk about like people needing to bring their whole selves to work. Well, sometimes that whole self is a person who had a horrible experience with human resources at their last job. It's someone who could have been wrongfully terminated because they complained to their boss. You know, like there are all these different layers that can come into play. It could be someone that when they're not at work, they have a really tough personal relationship at home. There could be exactly a variety, a sick parent, a divorce. There could be a so when whenever that whole self comes, which I agree, we need to allow for that to happen. We also need to allow for the space and the the peaks and valleys that come with that, so to speak. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. Like, well, not even part of it. That's the whole thing. My job is to take care of our people. Yeah. I think it's such a cool role. And like, I'm so glad that we have, as we've grown, we have invested in roles like this because I, I think... I think like most companies, we fell in the trap early of not, I don't want to say we never took, that we didn't take care of our people. I don't think that is true. But I do think what is true is that we sometimes took people for granted and that we sometimes, I never had any idea how difficult hiring would be. I always assumed you start a business, you have money to pay someone, it's going to be the easiest thing ever. Yeah. It's so hard. And to get it right is even harder. I remember reading a study once, the best companies in the world get it right 60% of the time, roughly. That's a coin flip at best. Right. And a bad hire can come in and just set you back years. Mm -hmm. So I, I think like that move that we have made to like concentrate on, okay, let's like, we're talking about putting people first. Like we need to actually put somebody in a role to help put people first because- Joe and I, the two co-founders, that can't be our whole day. We've, we've got a lot of other things that we have to take care of. And so finally growing to that point where we can make that higher was, I think this is a major tipping point for our company. And we're seeing the results as I, as I read in the intro. Only a couple more questions. I know you've got, you've got people to talk to, I'm sure today. <laughs> but any HR projects you're working on right now that are exciting you? And you can unveil the curtain. I Transparent culture at Gorilla, I, I don't care. I don't think there's anything that we're like being top secret about it. Anything that you've got that you're really excited about? 
well, one of my goals for the quarter is to overhaul our offboarding process with per employees. I realized that like to a lot of people that could sound super human resources nerdy, but I am excited about it. I am excited to figure out like. Well, and I think you're going to get into this. Why? I know what the answer is, but why? It, it does sound super nerdy HR, but <laughs> what is the downstream effect of that getting improved? Yeah. So to me, the downstream effect is our clients don't feel any of that impact when someone leaves. Theoretically, we would retain other employees because they're not figuring out how to hobble along after someone leaves because we've had a smooth transition. And I've been reading a lot about offboarding is every bit as important as onboarding. People are changing insurance. People are figuring out what to do with their 401k. They might have a lot of uncertainty at their next job. And like, I feel like the least I can do is make leaving not easy, but smooth so that they know what to do and they have the resources to make it happen. And at a minimum, I want to be able to have answers for people if they can't find it themselves. I think one of the things I'm learning a lot about human resources is that a lot of people don't really know what it is that I do or what all is involved in my job every day. Because there's just all kinds of little stuff that happens, you know, it's it's humming along in the background. And see, this is the difference between yourself and me. Let's put it this way. Onboarding to me was so much more important than offboarding. Sure. And I think they should be equal, which is what you have brought to Gorilla. And I never realized that. And I think what is so smart about that is I look, I did this roughly. I hope I'm not forgetting anyone. I probably am. We have three Boomerang employees. So that means that when those people left, the bridge was not burnt. They went and explored other opportunities, which I think is great. Of course, I hate seeing people leave, but they went and explored other opportunities. I think in that process, they learned. They learned new skills. They learned. They got new experiences. It's a very healthy process. And I think another thing they learned is that Gorilla is a pretty damn good place to work. And so because we offboarded them correctly, they came back. So I think that's where it's so easy to be like, ah, who cares? They're leaving. Like, Get whatever. Like, well, I mean, you know, okay, yeah. <laughs> hey, here's the phone number to call about your 401k. Good luck. Call me if you have issues. Here's your COBRA paperwork. Here's, it's easy to just kind of phone, like phone that in. in. Yeah, totally. But good people are hard to keep. And they're probably going to leave at some point. If they're good, that's what good people do. They they get opportunities and they grow and don't even think about leaving at least because you're a good person and you don't need to be leaving. <laughs> oh, you get where I'm going with this. Like, don't shut that door. Don't don't slam that door. It's just dumb. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Keep it's, that door open. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when I first came to Gorilla, it was the first time I heard the term buttoned up. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's interesting. Like, what does that mean? But I think so much of who I was as a as a worker was very buttoned up. I think that was a lot of how I approached things. And it still is because that, I don't want to say professionalism because that's not the right word, but that level of attention to detail and care that we can offer somebody, why not? Why wouldn't I do that? Totally agree. Well, this has been great. How can our listeners learn more about you, get in touch with you? What's the best way for people to reach out if they have questions about this appears to be, I, I want to talk more about offboarding. We, we we don't have this figured out. How can they How can they get a hold of you? So I'm on LinkedIn, like everybody else at Gorilla. We're very easy to find. We're everywhere in the industrial space. And then uh, you should also follow Gorilla's Marketing, Gorilla76 Marketing on Instagram, because we post all kinds of fun stuff about 
culture and people. And I like to lurk around there and see what's going on. Excellent. Well, Elise, as always, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I'll probably talk with you five more times today. <laughs> but I appreciate you taking the time. I know you have a lot going on. I know what your to-do list is like because I keep putting things on it. <laughs> but thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for on having the show. me. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Employer. Until then, put your people first. You've been listening to The Manufacturing Employer Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about our approach to industrial marketing and the role that company culture has in moving manufacturing forward, visit Gorilla76.com.